morning, everybody. So glad that everybody was able to make it to church this morning. It's a lot better than, you know, being dead. Right? There's a lot of other things you could be doing. And I think that's one of the things you could be doing is laying in the grave, but you're not. And so I'm glad that you're here this morning. We're starting a brand new series called Power of Life. We're going to be going through this for a few weeks. I've got something I want to talk to you about at the end of the service, and I want to challenge you in at the end of the service. So I encourage you to... uh, Continue to listen. I think that you're going to want to hear that. If you're uh, on your Bible app this morning, uh, you can also check into Facebook and just tell everybody where you're at, where you're at church, and let them know that we're learning about uh, the power for life, that we're going to have power for life. Power for life. Just let your friends know about that and let them know where, they, where you are, and you just never know. They may call you up and say, hey, I'd like to check out Unlimited Church with you. Can I come to church with you? And you might not even have to call them. So... Uh, check in there. They say that's one of the best ways to help people know where you are going to church and what you enjoy. Now, every week that I step before you, I pray about what we're going to what we're going to talk about, what I'm going to bring to you, because I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you through the words that I use. And um, I'm not the greatest speaker in the world. I, I know there's a lot of other uh, a lot better pastors, better speakers in the world. Uh, There's a lot of them that I like to listen to. And so I know that I need the Holy Spirit directing me so that he can speak into your life. And I'm so excited about getting into the powerful life. And we're going to be talking, I I think I told you earlier, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit over the next few weeks, talking about what he does in your life and who he is in your life, who he is in general, so we know a little bit more about him. So I really want you just to to try to lock in and listen and pay attention. If you get tired at any point or your mind goes somewhere else, say, Jesus, could you just come right, right here and just help me to pay attention? Because I really want to see something happen in our church. A lot of churches have a slowdown during the summer. They back off. People are going on vacations. People are changing jobs. People are moving. Those kind of things. I don't want this summer to be a, a time that we back away from church. I want it to be a time that we dive in with everything that we have. And so I want this, this series just to be this launching pad for us this summer to be able to reach people for Christ, to see things change in our lives, just like Christy was talking about how she needs healing in her life, and we're praying for that healing, and you may need healing. We know we have some people here that, that uh, have been, not been feeling well and been sick this week, and then we have people that are, that are interviewing for jobs left and right, trying to find the right job for them and praying that God will give them the right job. So there's a lot of things, and there may be things that I'm not mentioning. I know we got some people going to be starting school, starting college this next fall. A lot of cool things that are coming up, or, or maybe some stressful things that are coming up, but we can have power in our life to help us through these times. So, so let's, just, uh, let's just jump into this and, and dig into what God has for us today. Like I said, I want you to be challenged by the end of this message because we have some things that we're going to do. I don't want you to get to the end of this year and say, man, you know, because the year goes by so fast, right? We are already, we are already almost halfway through the year. All right? That's that's how fast this thing's going. We're almost halfway through the year. I don't want you to get to the end of the year and go, man, you know, I wish I would have, I wish I would have done more for Christ. I wish I would have got a little bit deeper. I wish I would have got a little bit closer. I wish I would have learned a little bit more 
because before you know it, the end of the year comes, and then you're making those New Year's resolutions again, and you're going, okay, this year I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. This year I'm going to read my Bible more. This more, year I'm going to pray more. This year I'm going to, to uh, talk to more people about Jesus. Let's don't wait, because before you know it, the end of the year will be here. So we want to see what God's going to do. Today's message is really a setup. For the rest of this series, today's message is really to help us dig into who the Holy Spirit is, uh, who he is, and what he was really sent here for, what he was sent here for. And what I want us to focus on is this week and the next week is an encounter. We want to focus on two encounters, and this morning we're going to dig into our first encounter. We all encounter things in our lives, right? You know, you may have encountered a stupid driver when you was coming to church this morning. And hopefully you were nice to him and prayed for him and didn't, you know, say bad things to him. But we all encounter things. It may be a bad thing. It may be a good thing. Uh, you know, there's no guarantee that it's going to be one way or the other. And if you've been attending small groups on Wednesday nights, you, you know that we've been studying through the book of Acts right now. In, in the, the, the book of Acts, we started that when we started Unlimited Church back in September. Because I wanted people to, I wanted us to see what the, the church in the book of Acts was. I think this last week was really great and great job uh, this last week, Mike, in teaching. And we're in chapter 8 of, of Acts, digging in there. And it just was like just springboarding into what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. And in Acts... There's a lot of great things that went on. In, in your Bible, if you open your Bible up, if you, if you have a, a, a regular Bible, a lot of them will say Acts of the Apostles at the top of it. And I don't think that that's a wrong name, but I think a more apt name for it, a, a name that should go for it, is Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because everything that goes on in the book of Acts couldn't happen without the Holy Spirit. So when you look at that and when you, when you see the word Acts and when you hear us talk about Acts, we talk about Acts on Wednesday nights, we're studying Acts, I want you to understand, don't, it's not just a word, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's what the Holy Spirit did in the early church. And I want to see those same things happen in our church. The, in Acts, the word says that the Lord was adding to their numbers daily. Adding to their numbers daily. That's what I want to see for us as a church. The Lord adding to our numbers daily. Not so that we can say, oh, we're a church of X amount of people. But so we can say, here's what God is doing. And if out of this, other things are happening. I don't want the Lord to add people. I don't want us to add people or the Lord to add people just so we can say it's a number. I want the Lord to add people because they're getting saved. Because they're getting filled with the Spirit, because they're getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want them added because something is changing in their life. I was talking to one of our people the other day, and I said, listen, I would love it if this person came to church, but they're going to church somewhere else. And I know that, that where they're going in, in, in their walk right now, that it could get so much deeper if they were here. But I don't want to go after them because they're over there. God will speak to them eventually. And we'll pray that God will speak to them. And if he wants them over here or in another church that's a little bit deeper, then he's going to push them and bring them to that point. But I don't want to go out and be dragging people out of the churches. I want to go be dragging people just like 
you're going to be hearing about Howard Rainey when he comes in here. I'd love to be going in and dragging the people out of the bars, those people who don't know Jesus, those people who are getting drunk, those people who, who are just on the highway to hell. I'm not cussing, okay? But they're really literally on the highway to hell. Those people are the people that I want to see in this church because those people are the ones that need Jesus, and then they're going to go out and tell other people about Jesus. And so that's what's important. So the book of Acts, Acts of the Holy Spirit, is, is uh, one of the things we're going to be going through and talking about throughout these next few weeks that couples with the Holy Spirit. I want you to, uh, if you ever were to read in the book of Acts and you go, okay, this is great, but there's something that you may have missed. When you're reading the book of Acts, you're literally reading through the New Testament. Because if we take and we take those books in the New Testament, especially like the ones that Paul wrote and some that uh, some of the other apostles wrote, you would see them line up in this book. So a lot of times we read Acts, then we read you know the letters to the Romans, First, Second Corinthians, so on and so forth. But if we took it and we and we expanded out Acts, it's it's kind of like a, it's the glue that holds all of the New Testament together. Because before Acts, you have the four Gospels, and then during and after, and after Acts, you have uh, Revelation, and during Acts, you have all these things that are going on. So when you're reading the Bible, when you're reading Acts, realize, man, all these other things, these other books, you could almost call them sub-books, because they go right in there with it, okay? So as we're reading through there, this is what was going on in the early church. All these things were going on in the early church, and then so we had Paul have to talk to people, like when he wrote to 1 Corinthians. He, he wrote to them, and he had to correct them on some things, and he had to encourage them on some things. He had to get, you know, some things in order there. Well, that's because the things that were, were going on in that church was actually happening, happening during uh, when this book of Acts, the, the, the things were occurring in the book of Acts. Now, first thing that we need to notice and understand when we're talking about the Holy Spirit and when we're digging into this is that the, whole, that, that the Holy Spirit is not an it. And if you've been around people much, and you talk about the Holy Spirit, a lot of times you will hear somebody refer to the Holy Spirit as it. But the Holy Spirit is not it. The Holy Spirit is God. You have God the Father, you have God the Son, which is Jesus Christ, and you have God the Holy Spirit. He is God. So when we're referring to the Holy Spirit, let's don't refer to him as it. How would you like it if you went to work tomorrow, and uh, Tina, if you went to work tomorrow, which I know you're off for, for you're, you're about off for the summer, right? No, not yet, not yet. But get close. You go to work tomorrow, right? And they say, "Hey, here's Tina. It does a great job." <laughs> You'd be like, "Excuse me, it? I'm not an it." And I, just the Holy Spirit's not an it. He is a person. He is somebody that we could talk to. He's somebody that we can communicate with. He's somebody that does something for us because he is God. So let's don't refer to him as it. I remember when I was 19 years old, there was, a, uh, uh, there was these two young people that I was talking to. And this whole thing, when we refer to the Holy Spirit as it, we take away his godness, his, God, his part of the Trinity. And when I was talking to them, they, they went to a church that was scared of the Holy Spirit, scared of the manifestations of the Spirit. So I was talking to them, and I said, have you heard about the Holy Spirit. Well, we know who the Holy Spirit is. Well, have you heard what he could do in your life? Well, no, not really. 
And the more I talked to them, the more I realized they had never read through the book of Acts. They had never been taught out of the book of Acts. And I'm like going, you, you, you never heard this before? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you more about their specific story later on in, in this series. But it was just shocking to me that you have this book in the Bible that connects all the other books together, pretty much, in the New Testament. And they haven't even studied it. I mean, these were teenagers. These were 16-year-olds, and they had went to church. Uh, one of them had been in church since she was a little baby and had never read the book of Acts and never been taught out of the book of Acts. A lot of churches get a little scared because they read these things, and they start to go, wait a minute. Uh, this was going on in, in the early church. I don't know if I want that going on in my church because this is just a little bit weird. And if that was to happen here, you know, I don't know what people would think. As a matter of fact, we have some churches now who are so concerned about what people think and about people getting um, offended, people getting offended that they have changed the word of God to meet what is best for them. They have turned into to a psychologist instead of to a pastor and a preacher. And here I'll tell you, I'm not going to do that. I think that you need to hear the word because this, the Bible says, that the truth will set you free. The word of God will set you free. Nothing that I say will set you free. The word of God will set you free. When we see Jesus and he's talking and, and he was fasting and Satan come to him, what did he do? He used the word of God against Satan. He said, it is written, because the word of God is powerful, is stronger, is mightier, is sharper than in a two-edged sword. It does things that we can't do. I like what we were talking about the other night, too. One of the things that we need to understand, Mike did a great job. If you don't come on Wednesday night, you really need to come. Mike did an awesome job. But we were talking about, and Mike said, what we don't, what we, what we don't continue to tell ourselves or realize is that we live in a spiritual world. Because we all look at things as a human world, right? We don't, we go around and we don't see all the spiritual things. We, okay, I see lights, you know. I see you out there, cars out there, you know, we're going to eat today. Yes, there's physical, but really we live in a spiritual world. We don't even know how big this whole thing really is. But on the outside of us, it is very spiritual. Things are going on. The Bible says that we, when we have issues and when we have uh, issues with somebody else, that we are not battling against flesh and blood. We're not battling against you and me, really. We're, it's, it's a spiritual battle that's going on. It's a spiritual battle. And we need to understand that. When we're talking about the Lord, and when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we've got to understand that our world that we live in is spiritual. And until we can grab, uh, get a grasp of that and, and wrap our minds around that, then it's going to be difficult to know and understand what the Bible's telling us about the Holy Spirit. Because a lot of times we like to watch movies and we have the horror movies right and this evil spirit and that evil spirit and this ghost and that ghost. No, that's not who the Holy Spirit is. But we like, we, we think of that, we see that and, and we look at things and we say, oh, the Holy Spirit, oh, he's a spirit. Yes, but he is holy and he is so much more because he is God. We live in a spiritual world and we need to remember and realize that when we're reading our Bibles and we're learning about the Holy Spirit now when Jesus left the Holy Spirit came to this earth and we have a lot of people out there you may have seen a, a preacher on TV or you may have been to a church that their focus on the Holy Spirit is on what they call 
the spiritual gifts or the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, what you see on the outside of it. What we need to understand about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit didn't come here to do a magic show. That's not what he's here. He's not a genie in the bottle. The Holy Spirit, his sole purpose is to point people to Jesus. Everything he does is to point people to Jesus. Because without Jesus, none of this would matter anyway. Not, a, not, a, not anything that I say would matter. As a matter of fact, without Jesus, Christianity wouldn't exist because we needed a Savior. We needed a Savior. Now, before Jesus was resurrected, we could not receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, because we had no way of being cleansed. When Jesus died and was buried and resurrected, he became that perfect sacrifice for us so that we could live eternally, so that we could be cleansed out. Our corrupted spirits, uh, we have a corrupted spirit, and when Jesus came and he resurrected from the dead, then he could come in and he could clean us out to where we could be filled with, his, with God's Holy Spirit. Now, when he came back, the disciples had locked themselves in the room. Jesus is raised from the dead, but they're scared. They don't know this. They've locked themselves in a room, and they're like, what are we going to do? We're going to die. You know, the guy that was just in charge, he's dead. He's crucified on a tree. If they crucified him, what are they going to do to us? So they're afraid. No doors were open. No windows were open. Everything's locked down tight. When they realized that there was somebody in the room with them. And that somebody was Jesus. This is what happened, John 20, verse 20 through 22. We'll put that there on the screen. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. When the disciples saw Jesus, it finally clicked. They finally understood who, who he was. They understood this is the Messiah. This is the Savior. Because if you realize before this, remember Peter? Peter says, oh, I'm not going to deny you. There's no way I'm going to deny you. But three times he denied Christ, just like Christ said he would. If you look at all of, all of the disciples, all but one of the disciples ran. They were scared. They, they scattered. Because they didn't realize who he was. They didn't know when he was talking and he said, hey, you know, you could destroy this temple, but in three days it'll be built again. They didn't know what he was talking about. And when he's talking about his death and, and all that, they didn't understand. They saw Jesus as this, as this uh, warrior, somebody who was supposed to come and overthrow the government of the day by sword, by power. They didn't understand who Jesus was. And then all of a sudden, he is in their midst. Everything's locked down tight. They're scared to death, and all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. Now, this is interesting because we see Jesus showing up a lot in the most curious uh, uh, places that you could be, like on the water, right? The, we see Jesus was walking on the water out there. They thought he was a ghost at that time, and he was out there. This was before he had died and, and was resurrected. He was out there on the water. See, you would have thought they would have already understood who Jesus was. You would have thought they understood where this thing was going, but they just didn't understand, even at this point. Even Peter, who at the time when they were on the water, and he said, Lord, hey, if it's you, call me out of this boat onto the water so I could come to you. 
Because, you know, I, I look at Peter sometimes. I think P Peter was a daredevil. I don't know that he was, he was courageous as much as he was just a daredevil. He may have been scared to death because he stepped out on that water, and then he walked out there, and then Jesus had to pull him up. Oh, save me, Jesus, save me. See, even, even Peter had been saved at that time from drowning, but he didn't really know who Jesus was. And now that Jesus shows up, they all know this is the Son of God. He's alive. You know, when you look at all the religions of this world, what separates our religion, Christianity, from any other religion is Buddha is still dead. Muhammad is still dead. Hare Krishna is still dead. All these different leaders are still dead, but Jesus is alive. That's what totally separates uh, our, our religion from anybody else. No other person can claim that they're, well, I guess they could claim that they're alive, but there's no proof and there's no evidence, and we have all kinds of evidence that Jesus is alive. You know, sometimes we're like the disciples. We're, you know, when Jesus had died, we're confused. Things don't make a lot of sense to us. We, we start asking questions like, why is our life going this way? Why am I not happy? Things are just not supposed to turn out this way. I, want to, I think of a story quickly. This missionary that we're supporting in Arizona, I was talking to her the other day. I got to see her Thursday. We were talking. And she got this van, and I, I'm not going to go through the whole story of the van, but we, we took her a van, and the van was in really bad shape, took it to Tulsa. When I got there, I said, listen, this thing is not roadworthy. I mean, I'm driving down, and it's like jumping sideways. You would have thought I was going 175 miles an hour around the NASCAR racetrack and losing, you know, losing grip or something, and I'm only going about 60. And this thing was jumping all over the road. Frank had, was following me to Tulsa, and he, he, he didn't know what was going on. He thought I was falling asleep or something, you know. <laughs> thing just jumping all over the road so I get it down there so she takes it and, and to the uh, dealer to, to the shop and and I took well I took it over there and they said okay we'll call you in the morning let you know what it's gonna cost to fix the front end we call the next morning and it was gonna be twenty four hundred dollars fixed front end and she's like well you know I don't have that money what you have to know about sister Catherine is she is pastoring a church in the middle of nowhere USA out in the middle of the Arizona uh, kind of desert Indian reservation, the Navajo Indian reservation out there, out there in the middle of nowhere. In the process, and I'll tell you the whole story at a different time, but in the process, God has fixed that whole van 100%, and it didn't cost her church anything. Nothing. Yes, praise God. And I got a video. I don't have it this morning, but I'm going to try to get it up maybe next week. We sent them stuff out, and they, she wanted me to tell you thank you so much for the Bibles. The kids are bringing their Bibles every Sunday to Sunday school. They're sitting out there. These are teenage kids that are taking these Bibles, and, and, and they're opening them up. And she'll walk in there, and she'll see them with their Bibles every Sunday. They're, they're bringing their Bibles. That's an awesome thing. Isn't that right, R.C.? Isn't it amazing what God can do when we just give him an opportunity, and we put that out there? And, and we sent them uh, money for Christmas, too. They had 65 kids show up for Christmas. 65 kids. When she got there in December, the 1st of December, she's like, so what are we doing for Christmas? They're like, Christmas? We don't have no money. We don't, what are we going to do? And the Lord supplied tons of gifts for these kids and for these families. And I don't know how many people got saved at this church, but they have had dozens of people get saved in the middle of nowhere. But in this process of God fixing this van, 
she's driving to a pastor's conference, district council. Some of y'all may have heard that term. I, I have to go to that. Well, I don't have to go to it, but I go to it every year. But she's driving to district council, this pastor's conference. And before she leaves, she's stopping at this place and that place in town. Now, you have to understand, she is 45 minutes from the closest grocery store, from the closest convenience store. I mean, if you're going out there, you get gas before you go out there. Because you need to get gas, you need to have gas to come back. So in the process, she stops at this, this place, and, and, her, and her truck won't start. So she's like, okay. She's sitting there. She's trying to get to start. And these guys pull up. Here, let's jump it off for you. Maybe the battery's just dead. So they jump. It started up. Oh, great, great. So she drives the next place, turns it off, turns it back on, no problem. She drives the third place, turns it off, and goes inside, comes out, and won't come on, won't come on. So she's sitting there, she's thinking, she's praying, what am I going to do? Pops the hood, looks underneath it, she's trying to get it start, won't start, calls her dad, says, Dad, you know, I want you to listen to this. So she puts the phone up to it, and she turns the key, vroom, starts right up to it, oh, okay, that's fine, that's good, huh, whatever, you know. So she takes, she gets in her vehicle, she takes off, she heads down the road, out in the Arizona desert, and she gets a good ways out on, on her trip to, to this past, pastor's conference and the truck just totally dies in the middle of the road in the middle of nowhere pulls off the side of the road, she gets out she pops the hood, she says I'm looking under the hood like I know what's going on she said, I have no idea what's going on under the hood so then she walks back she says okay well I'm gonna uh, I guess I'll just try to start it one more time and then maybe I'll just have to call a wrecker she realizes she locked her keys in the truck. Her, key, her truck automatically locked, and her keys were still in the seat. And her cell phone is in the truck. And she is in the middle of nowhere. She says, okay, God, I guess you're trying to tell me something. So I'm just going to sit here until I get what you're trying to tell me. So she, she lays down the, the tailgate on her truck. She sits down on the tailgate of her truck. Four and a half hours go by. And finally, the car comes by, and they stop to help her out. They can't do anything for her. They call the police. Then they call the AAA. So she takes her truck in, uh, has it towed in, and they tell her, your truck is done. The engine is shot. It's gone. It's kaput. There's no reason to do anything to it. You got 280,000, 300,000, something like that miles on it just get you something else the amount of money it takes to put it in there so she tows it home so she's sitting at home for three days no way to get anywhere nowhere she can't get milk she can't get food she can't get nothing because she's out here in the middle of nowhere this is before the van was all fixed well in this process the van had been fixed but she hadn't got it so she had a uh, pastor coming out that weekend the pastor comes out that weekend and and preaches for and everything and he says we're going out and do some sightseeing but hey we're headed back to Oklahoma would you like to ride with us and she's like yes I would love to ride with you so she uh, as she's headed out she goes out and and um, one of the family says we stop and talk to our, our son we haven't heard from him and he had moved out there and uh, to Oklahoma because he had a good job out there working in the construction business and he had been a drunk but he had come to the Lord been sober 10 months and really been working the church in the process she goes out there gets the van comes back 
And there he is. She finds him, finds out, well, he'd got to drinking again because everybody else says, are you ready to come home? He says, yes. So he came home with her. The Holy Spirit had all this. See, this is what I'm talking about. When I say we live in a, in a spiritual realm, a spiritual world, the Holy Spirit is working all these things out. And we have to understand as we go through life that the Holy Spirit's got some great things, even though it looks really weird. And when the disciples have Jesus show up, this is totally different now because now they realize that he is the Son of God. And the same thing is happening at this church in Arizona. Now the story of this van, this miracle van's going around. I guess it's got to tell you part of this story. They needed $2,400 to fix this van. But she has a pastor says, no, I want you to, you know, here's what we're going to do. I, I want you to take it around and, and check. So <clears throat> my friend took it around and checked it out in Tulsa and, and uh, got some different pricing. $1,700 is what they got. Well, then another pastor called her says, Sister Catherine, I, uh, I got a letter in the mail today with a check. And it said, this $1,000 is to fix, your van, it's to fix the van. And she's like, hallelujah. But she's like, I don't know where we're going to get the other 1800 from, or 1700 So the pastor said, I've already talked to our board, and we're going to take care of that. We're going to take care of whatever else it is. But I want you to take it to my friend, and he's a great Christian man, and see what he can do it for. Takes it to this, this guy, and he says, well, it's going to be $1,800. He goes, oh, well, the cheaper is the $1,700. He says, oh, no, no, no. But we also have these aftermarket parts. These are name brand parts. We have aftermarket parts. If you go with that, it'll be $997 and something cents. So $1,000 covered it. When she picked up this, this guy, too, in this van headed back home, there's a pastor who gave her $200. Says, use it for whatever you want to. So in the process of going there, the power steering goes out. She has to pull over. She can't hardly drive. She pulls over at the slove station. She has to wait all night. It's the middle of the night, 3 o'clock in the morning or something like that. She gets up, she takes it to the shop the next day. What's wrong with it? You know, I can't drive it. And they said, you need a new tensioner pulley and this and that, and you need a new belt. And she goes, okay, so how much is it going to cost? $213. She's like, I got it. Let's, let's get it fixed. So she fixed it. Now the whole community is talking about this miracle van. Because it would it'd take me an hour to tell you the whole story. That's why I had to try to jump around. The, the, the whole community is talking about it about this miracle van, and people are coming to church because they hear about all these things that went on with this van. All these things that went on. See, now the disciples have had this same kind of encounter. They had an encounter with God that this community used. He, he used a van. But the disciples have had an encounter with Jesus personally coming in there. Without an encounter with Jesus, like these disciples ha are having here, where we surrender our lives to him, and receive the Holy Spirit. So when we give our life to the Lord, we receive the Holy Spirit. Without this encounter, then life ends up being meaning, meaningless. We don't have a hope for a future. But when we surrender to Jesus, then we receive the Holy Spirit. We're now worthy to be called children of God. We're now worthy to go to heaven. There's nothing that we can do to make ourselves holy. The only way we can do it is surrendering our life to Jesus. Only then can we receive the Holy Spirit. 
only then. A well-known preacher was asked one time, is Jesus the only way to heaven? And his answer was, well, that's what I believe, but it's up to you, between you and God, whether or not that's the way you have to believe. But I believe that way. I want to tell you something. It may not be for him to say, but Jesus himself tells us in John chapter 14, verse 6, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter if you think that you have a better way to do it. What matters is there's only one way to the Father, and it's through Jesus. This encounter is the number one encounter that, can, that you can have in your life. There's no encounter that is greater, bigger, or better. And we're going to talk about another great encounter next week. But this encounter is the most important encounter. And if you've already had this encounter with Jesus, then it should be important for you to tell other people about this encounter. The disciples did it, and they got killed because of it. People in the Middle East, where this church camp we're talking about, are doing it, and they're getting killed because of it. They're losing their jobs because of it. But God is faithful. He will take care of you. He will make it work out to the end. You will be okay, no matter what, it ha what happens. I told you the story about the young lady who they, I think I told you this story, where over there, where they're trying to get her to reject Christ and they mutilate her body they cut one piece of her body off at a time and she said if they I, I could just imagine the the torment that they're going through because of the peace that I have inside of me right now see when we in, encounter Jesus the way the disciples did, did the rest of it doesn't matter because God will give us a peace that surpasses all understanding all understanding you may have never had this encounter, but you need to. Today can be a day that can change your life forever. Maybe you've had the encounter before, but now you're like going, well, you know, I, man, I, I just, I'm not there anymore. I'm not there anymore. But the great thing is we can always go back to the Lord. The Bible says that Jesus is a person, a friend who sticks closer than your own brother. He sticks closer than a brother. With Jesus, there's a future filled with hope. And all we have to do is surrender. And let me tell you something. The word believe has been thrown around a lot today in the Christian circles. But the word believe in the way it's said in the Bible and the way we try to use it today is totally different. Because the word believe in the Bible means that you're going to surrender, that you totally are sold out, that you have faith in that person. That that person is the son of God. He is the only way to heaven. And so when we say that we're believers, then it should mean that we are sold out to Jesus. Not that we believe that Jesus was a good man. There's a lot of people who believe Jesus is a good man. There's people who are not Christians who believe he rose from the dead. That doesn't get you to heaven. You have to be sold out. You have to be committed to Jesus. There are two things, two things that I want us to do this morning and, and, and look at this morning. And the number one is I want you to look at your life, where's your life with the Lord today. If it's not where it needs to be, the today is the day of salvation is what the Bible says. Today is the day. Today is the day. And I want to give you that opportunity. 
Now, every one of you in here may be right with the Lord, but I don't know that. I'm not God. Only God knows where you and him he are, are right now. Only, only you and him do. And it doesn't matter how good you look on the outside. What matters is what's on the inside because God could see that. The last thing that you want to happen is to get to heaven and say, hey, here I come. I'm coming into heaven. I went to church. I lived my, I lived my life at church, and I went to Sunday school, and I tithed, and I did all these other kind of things. And he gets in there. He said, look at everything I did for you, God. Look at everything I did. Man, I was greeting every week. I was playing the piano, you know, all whatever it is. And he says, depart from me, you lawless person. I never knew you. The only way that he knows us is if we've surrendered to Jesus. If we've surrendered to Jesus. I want the next few weeks of your life to be amazing weeks. I want us to get to a point the next few weeks to prepare us for what God is going to do this summer and through the rest of this year. I don't want us to look back at it and, uh, like I said, and go, man, I wish I would have. I wish I would have. I want us to look back and go, man, look at what God did. Look at what God did. I don't care. Maybe he gives us, uh, gives us a broken down van. But he could take that broken down van and turn it into a miracle van and reach people for Christ. Whatever the situ situation in your life, he can take that situation and reach people for Christ if we'll just take a moment Step back and look at it. Sister Catherine isn't sitting there whining and complaining and griping because she doesn't have a vehicle right now. The church says, Sister Catherine, we're going to pray for you a vehicle since your, since your truck's broke down and it's done. And she says, okay, well, let's be specific about it. Let me write it down so you know exactly what I want. This is what we're going to be asking God for. Because I have faith, you have faith, we're going to have faith. And as we go through this summer, that's where I want us to get to. I want us to get to a point where when somebody walks in this church or if we're out there in our prayer walk and we meet somebody and they're sick with cancer that we all can agree in one mind and one accord as we pray for them that God you are going to heal them and not for our glory but for your glory because what did I say the Holy Spirit is here for he is here to point people to Jesus that is what he is here for that's what he's here for would you just bow your heads for a moment and I just want you inside to look inside of you and if you see where your life is with the Lord you know the word says that we should be crucifying our flesh daily we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God the word of God says that if we say that we have no sin that we are a liar and the truth is not in us we're not perfect only Jesus is perfect only he the son of God and his blood has washed us white as snow white as snow so I can't do anything for you if you need a relationship with Christ if you need to step forward for Christ that's between you and God so I'm gonna pray right now and all you got to do is take the opportunity yourself to pray to the Lord and tell him he's a friend you know a lot of people oh well I got to recite this I got to do that I got to. no you don't you just got to talk to Jesus that's all you got to do you just got to let him know exactly what's going on in your heart and you know what? He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. No matter how many other times he's done it, he'll do it again. He'll do it again. So I'm just going to pray, and I'm not going to ask you to pray what I'm praying. I'm just going to ask you to pray what you want to pray in your heart. I just want you to talk to Jesus. 
If you're right with the Lord, I want you to be asking God, Lord, the next few weeks, get me ready, God. Get me ready for a revival in my life. Get me ready for you to do something crazy in my life that I can see people saved. And that you'll give me the tenacity, you'll give me the courage to step out and talk to people about you and reach people for you. Lord, we come before you right now and we ask you in the name of Jesus. Lord, for every person that's in this place, wherever their walk is with you this morning, Lord, that you will just reach down and you will take a hold of them and you'll prepare them, Lord, for a better walk with you, for a greater walk with you. Lord, for those people who don't know you, Lord, if there's anybody in here that don't have a real personal relationship with you or have backed away from it, God, that you would just come in and that you would just begin to move in their heart and their life. And this morning, Lord, that they would just call out to you and say, Jesus, forgive me because I am a sinner. Come in my life. I surrender myself to you this morning. I surrender myself to you. Jesus, in the name of Jesus, right, God, we just praise you right now. Jesus, touch them. Touch each and every person. Holy Spirit, just move in each and every person's life this morning. We praise you for it. We praise you for it, Lord, right now. You've already done a work this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Now, one other thing that I want to bring to you, a couple other things before we leave this morning. As we go into this, I want this to be, like, like I told you, I want this to be some life-changing weeks for you. I want this to be life-changing for our church. I want us to bring, I want the Holy Spirit to bring people daily into our lives and into this church. I want us to prepare for that, okay? So what I'm asking you to do is for the next four weeks, if you medically can do it, from 5 p.m. on Thursday to 5 p.m. on Friday, I'd like you to fast. I'm going to fast from 5 p.m. to 5 p.m. If you want to fast all week, if you want to fast four weeks, that's totally up to you. If you medically can't do it, if you can only fast one meal, because medically maybe you can't fast more than that, that's fine, okay? I'm not telling you, don't come back to me and say, you know, I went in the hospital, I got a $5,000 bill because you told me to fast for, for 24 hours and, and I almost died. Don't do that, okay? If you can't medically do it, do it the way you should. But I want us as a church to really get ready get ourselves ready for God to do something amazing. God did not plant this church to be the, another, uh, another uh, look-alike church, okay? We're not here to look like some other church. We're here to be what God's called us to be. There's a specific reason he put us here. There's a specific reason that all the miracles have happened to get us to this point, okay? Financially and otherwise. And if he's done it, then he can do something great if we'll allow him to. So I'm going to ask you that. The other thing I'm going to ask you, I know we're in Acts right now, but I don't think you can read Acts enough. Read one chapter in the book of Acts every day for the next four weeks, and you'll read through. Okay, you'll read through Acts. You can read all of it in one day if you want to. That's okay. All right, Acts goes really fast. One chapter a day. Just get this in your soul. Get this in, in you. Because some of the things we're going to be talking about, some of the things of the Holy Spirit, I don't want us to be scared of what the Holy Spirit's going to be doing in our lives. I don't want us to be scared of what the Holy Spirit's going to be doing in our church. I want us to be excited. I want us to say, that's the church I want to be like. The book of Acts, that's the church I want to be like. The early church is who I want to be like. They had so much power back then. Do you realize? Ananias and Sapphira lied, and they died because of the power. Now, I'm not asking for people to come in here and die, but I'm just saying. That's how much power was in the early church. What would happen in our world if all of our churches in America... What would happen in America if we would get to that point that we were so close to God and the Holy Spirit was moving 
this place will be turned around. So those are things, two things that I'm asking you. One, if you would fast for the next four weeks, from 5 p.m. on Thursday to 5 p.m. on Friday, while you fast, don't watch Netflix while you're, you were supposed to be eating your food. Take time to pray. Take time to read the Word. Spend some time with God. Let God speak to you. See what He can do in your life, okay? Praise God. Well, we've had all of our announcements today, and I'm so happy about that. If you need anything, if you want to be baptized, uh, if you've never been baptized before, or you want to be rebaptized because you've recommitted your life, please talk to me. Our time is not set in stone. If we need to change a time because somebody has to work, uh, just talk to me. We'll, we'll work it out, okay? And we'll be baptizing at Lake Willistine. And somebody says, well, it says no swimming. I said, we're not swimming. We're dunking, okay? We're just, we're putting you underwater. So we're not going to go swimming. Well, in, unless you get away from me and then you might swim back to shore, okay? Praise God. Well, I'm going to pray and dismiss us. And I just want to thank you for coming and spending time with God this morning. Holy Spirit, thank you for being a great, great God to us. Bless us as we go forward today. Keep us safe. Lord, prepare us for the people that you're going to put right in our path, Lord, even probably today, that we can speak to them and tell them about you or pray for them and see miracles happen. And Holy Spirit, you're going to point them right to Jesus. God, we just glorify you right now. We exalt you. We magnify your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, everybody. Find somebody. Give them a